from the Auto Line Studios. Here is your host, John McElroy. I want to thank you all for joining us on AutoLine this week, where we're going to have a great discussion about who's going to win the North American Car of the Year and who's going to win the North American Truck of the Year. That award will be given out by 57 different automotive journalists from across the United States and, and Canada. And I got three of them right here in the studio with me today, including Joanne Muller, the Detroit Bureau Chief of Forbes Media, Larry Webster, the Editor-in-Chief of Road and Track Magazine, and Sharon Carty, the Editor-in-Chief of Autoblog. And I want to thank all three of you thank for you. coming in here today. Thank you. Thank you. Let's start out talking about the three finalists for the North American Car of the Year, which include the Ford Mustang, the Hyundai Genesis, and the Volkswagen Golf. And Larry, I'll throw it off to you first. What are your thoughts about the Ford Mustang? Uh, very pleasantly surprised. I mean, um, it's, to me, it's more refined. It's more comfortable. Uh, but they didn't lose the character. What we've always loved about the Mustang is that rumbliness, very much strong performance, and just an exciting car that, that you feel happy to be in. And they've got little details on it that really, I think, amp up the experience. Have you seen that little uh, Mustang logo that it displays on the pavement outside of the car when you approach it? I mean, it's just all those little things that just makes it just a fun, terrific sports car, which is what it should be. And, of course, what you're talking about is a light in the rear view mirror on right. the outside yep. of the car that projects a, a pony on the ground. Right. It's a really cool thing. Yeah, you hear people talk about it, even they're not car folks, they just like it. It's just part of the fun of what a sports car should be. It should make you excited, and it does. Sharon, what do you think about the Mustang? Yeah, well, I mean, there's certain cars that are about the theatrics, right? And the Mustang is, definitely has them. It has it. When I was test driving it last time, it was raining, and there was all these rain beads on the roof, and I mean, on the hood of the car. And it just, when you hear the car rumble, and all of the rain is shaking and vibrating, you just feel like, yeah, this is a, a super cool car to be in. Um, so... I think they did it right. I think they did a really good job with it. Joanne, what are your thoughts? Well, I think, uh, you know, it's interesting. This is the 50th anniversary of the Mustang. So they really had to get it right. You know, there's a lot on the line there, just their heritage. And, and, and the other really interesting thing is that they prepared this car from the beginning. They knew they were going to take it global. And that's a very different thing. And it was very touchy. They had to make sure that it was still a Mustang. And yet they have a smaller engine this time, right? The 2.3 EcoBoost so that they can uh, sell it at a reasonable price in other countries where they have high tariffs for displacement. I think that's a great point. And in fact, they've even engineered the car so that they can put the steering wheel on the right-hand right. side for markets yeah. like Japan and England and the yeah. like. I think that's a real significant move that the Ford Motor Company is finally going to take its most iconic car and sell it everywhere around the world. I, to me, this is the best Mustang that has ever been. I, and, and the most true to the original as well. Uh, but I fell in love with the 2.3-liter EcoBoost that you just mentioned, Joanne. I found that the V8 GT is great if you want to take the car to a track. But for everyday driving, I don't know, not so much. I, what do you think, Larry? I think you want that sound, that explosion. It's a pony car. It's a V8 car. I think that's part of the experience. I think what I find really interesting among, um, let's say, two-door coupes, they're getting so refined to the point today where they're almost getting a little bit bland. So like that character and that fun, that theater that you spoke about is, is missing in a lot of cars. And what I think was, they've done really successfully with the Mustang is, in, in my opinion, it's certainly comfortable. It's got enough of the features. I could very much envision driving it every day. Yet it, you can go to the track with it and you can slide it sideways. You can do all this stuff that uh, is really fantastic. So when I think of as a 
an exciting coup, the domestics are really defining that segment. So I'm very curious to see what it does in Europe. Me too. I, I, one thing that I like about the car is on the tachometer, you know, every tachometer in the business says RPM times 1,000. In the Mustang, because the original had it, it says revolutions per minute yeah. times 1,000. And I'm told there was a mega fight inside the Ford Motor Company as to whether they should put RPM or spell out revolutions per minute. But I love hearing that they sweated that level of detail in the car. I, yeah. I think that's actually kind of a cool story to the backdrop of the Mustang. Well, it certainly feels now that they've got the independent rear suspension instead of the solid axle. It certainly feels more refined. It doesn't jitter around on some mid-corner bumps and things like that. So it does all those car things better, but it, it didn't lose that sort of, I mean, every time I got in it, I was like, whoa, this is, this is really an event. And I think, you know, as, a, as a cars are getting so good, the reliability is getting so good, that sort of uh, emotional pull becomes more important. And few cars do it as well as this Mustang. Okay, enough of the Mustang for the moment, because at the end of the show, I want to put you guys on the spot to see what you might vote for. But, uh, Sharon, let's talk about the Hyundai Genesis. Yeah, you know, I have to say, Genesis is, was not one of the ones that I voted for. It's not one of my favorites. Um, there are certain cars that you fall in love with that get you sort of passionate about. And the Genesis, I know a lot of people really like it, um, but it's just it just doesn't do it for me. Um, there's something about, I guess, if I want to go into that segment, if I want to go into the, the sedan, luxury sedan segment or the near luxury sedan segment, I, I, I want to really feel it. <laughs> I really want to be in love with my car. And the Genesis, I, I want to hear what everybody else has to say about it because it's not one that, that really rings my bell. Hey, listen, this is why there's 57 journalists on the jury <laughs> because not everyone's going to agree. But Joanne, what's your take on the Genesis? I probably lean a little bit uh, toward what Sharon's saying. Uh, I, I think it's a lot of car for the money. So, so that's great. And as a, as a Hyundai, it's very, very impressive, right? There's a lot of features in there. From the beginning, when I saw that car, I did not like the grill. And what I find interesting is that, uh, that Hyundai is now going to put that grill on a Sonata hybrid that's coming soon. And I thought, well, they must like it. I don't like it. I just always thought it looked like a poser. You know, it's trying to be something else. And um, so... It certainly drives very nicely. Uh, it's very smooth, and it's, um, you know, it's, as I say, it's a lot of car for the money. Again, not my first choice. A poser because it kind of looks like maybe an Audi, an Aston Martin, yes. a Bentley yeah. or something yes, like that. exactly. Yeah. The Bentley was the way I was yeah, going. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's, it, I mean, it even has a different uh, hood, logo. logo. Yeah. And, and I just... That's very Bentley-ish. Yes, yes, exactly. And, but it's not very, it doesn't match any of the other Hyundais in the line. So I just wasn't, and, and I thought the proportions were a little odd. The hood is extremely long. Hmm. So yeah. it's up to you. <laughs> Somebody must have voted for this car. I mean, I, I think the car has uh, terrific street presence. I think it really looks special. It looks like uh, an expensive sedan. I think, you know, 50 grand for the V8 model is certainly impressive. I was really um, pleased with how it has that smoothness, as you spoke about, and it is very smooth. The wheels move up. It absorbs all the bumps, but yet it doesn't feel real pillowy when you turn. It actually has a little bit of handling. So these, they actually integrated that, that kind of compromise, I thought, really well for that kind of car. And then I was really impressed with the, um, the suite of infotainment options you could have in it and things like that. And so as an overall package, I, I, I really like it. I think um, 
one of the struggles with that car is you can still tell by sitting in it, by some of the materials, especially on the dash, that you're not in that high dollar thing. So you, you are, at least for me, I was reminded I'm, I paid less for the big sedan. Now, what I always find really interesting about this car is do the folks that buy those cars, do they want to be perceived as smarter than the average luxury sedan buyers because they got everything else for 15 grand less? Or do those buyers want to be able to advertise their wealth? And I don't know, I'd be curious to hear what you think about that, but that's that's an essential question for a car like that, I think. Yeah, to me, Hyundai really stepped up its game with this new generation of Genesis. I, I totally agree with what you're saying. They're trying to make it look more upscale by stealing design cues from others, which I don't think is, is very Everybody good. Everybody does that. And, and I got a real problem with, you know, with the adaptive cruise control right smack in the middle of the grill. They got this big square piece of plastic that, to my eye, looks really ugly. Mm-hmm. Mercedes and others hide that by putting the logo there. So if you look at a Mercedes with a big logo in the middle of the grill, it's actually hiding the radar. Yeah. Yeah for that adaptive cruise. I think Hyundai ought to consider doing some way of hiding that better. I was knocked out by how quiet and refined it was inside. I think they really stepped up their game. The question is, is if somebody is aspiring to own a a premium car, are they going to buy a Hyundai? Or are they going to go to Volvo, for example, or some other brand that has the brand cachet that Hyundai doesn't? Kudos to Hyundai for for putting this out. I'm not sure how much it's going to get them, but um, I, I think it's a pretty serious car. Well, and then what do you think if you project out 10 years, right? So some of these premium brands have gone down much in price. Like I'm thinking the Mercedes CLA. And it's a brilliant looking car. It performs well. But you get in it, you sort of know, okay, I'm in the cut rate bends. And what is that going to do to Mercedes and where does that leave Hyundai later down the road? It's a pretty interesting question. Very interesting question. Yeah. Okay, um, yeah, let's talk truck of the year, too, because we've, we've got to get into uh, the discussion of that. Sharon, why don't we start with the Ford F-150? Yeah, well, the F-150 has got the all-aluminum um, body inside, and, um, you know, I think there's been a little bit of disappointment with the fuel economy numbers that have come out. It uh, varies for, for the engine and the size of the truck, but I think that people were expecting a little bit more. Um, but test driving it, it feels as capable and as solid as any other F-150 that came before it. Um, I guess it'll sort of depend as to whether or not people really think that the aluminum is enough of a real huge game changer to really vote for it as their number one pick. Joanne. Well, Ford's argument with the aluminum is that it it makes the truck that much more capable because it's lighter, therefore it can haul more, tow more, because less weight is taken up by the body of the truck itself. Here's what I love about the F-150 is all the innovations beyond that. Forget what it's made of. Uh, forget its fuel economy rating, if you can. But uh, think about, it has ca- optionals. These are a lot of options. But there's cameras uh, uh, 360 degrees around the truck. Think about if you're on a work site or something and you're uh, trying to avoid hitting uh, uh, construction equipment, rocks, whatever. Um, there's a light on, the, uh, on one of the mirrors that will illuminate your campsite if you go camping with your, with your family. Uh, things like that are really thoughtful. There's a, there are these, these cool uh, uh, rails that, are, that, that ride right inside the bed. You can put out and put your motorcycle or your ATV right up into it. 
you don't have to use a piece of plywood anymore. You know, I mean, I think these are really thoughtful touches and it shows why Ford has been the leader in pickups for a long, long time. Yeah, they have. Larry? I really like it. Um, I think with pickups, since there's so many configurations and models, it's very hard to compare weight of one pickup to another to another. So the fuel, the weight savings is what we say, two, three hundred pounds, probably not as great as they were hoping for because the F-150 is already pretty heavy. So, you know, the aluminum's great, uh, but for me, what I really like, I like those turbo motors because they, uh, you can really feel the response and the torque, especially when you're towing something big. I've towed a lot of these big trailers with these, these uh, trucks. And the, the turbo engines are so terrific because they're not really working hard at low RPMs, but you're accelerating just as well with a big, heavy load. And I think as far as the fuel economy, I always kind of wait and see as, as people own them because word gets around. And the people that use these things for the different things, they sort of know and they, they sort of will get the things. But um, terrific truck. It doesn't feel to me like a big enough step. I mean, it feels like an F-150, which is, like, to your point, no great shakes. But it, it doesn't feel like a huge step from anywhere. And I guess that speaks to how refined and capable pickup trucks have already become. I agree with Sharon. Uh, you know, I think the fuel economy numbers were surprising to everybody. I think we all expected a much bigger increase than what they got. They're competitive with Chevrolet and Ram, but we thought that they were going to jump ahead of them on this and it didn't happen. I think maybe uh, they built our expectations up too much, talking about how they were going to take 700 pounds of weight yeah. out of this thing with aluminum. But to your point, Larry, they were already hundreds of pounds heavier yeah. than everyone else. So it's not like they're 700 pounds ahead. I think they should have just or certainly in their advertising, should not even bring up the aluminum. Just don't even bring it up. I think they should go to the features you're talking about, Joanne. And it drives really well. This is a really good truck. It's got all the attributes that everyone who ever bought an F-150 will come back to it for. But to expect something even more grandiose because it's gone aluminum intensive, uh, I, I think Ford built up too many people's expectations and weren't able to deliver on it. Well, and people get upset over just one or two MPGs difference in um, in fuel economy. You know, I mean, if you're if you're off even just the tiniest bit, uh, that's where people start complaining. Get on the internet and start complaining about what they're really getting versus what they're supposed to be getting. And so, it's a dangerous game to be promising um, much more fuel economy than you can actually deliver because the consumers get disappointed with very little differentiation. I, I know when I go uh, look at the trucks and trying to determine what should I vote for, aluminum really didn't come into no. the consideration. I just thought, how does this thing drive? That's what I'm most concerned about because I think that's what people going out to buy these things are going to be worried about, not whether it was aluminum or what grade aluminum or anything like that. I noticed uh, some of the stuff I towed with it, and the trailer was loaded or unloaded. Depending on the condition, I, the the back end was getting awfully jittery, and I and I just thought, okay, this is a weird anomaly, whatever combination I've found. But even still, I thought, brand new truck, all this stuff. I would think they would have ironed that stuff out. Mm -hmm. So um, <clears throat> maybe I expected too much. I don't know. Great truck, but. Like I said, not the biggest step. Let's go to the next one on the list, Joanne, the Chevrolet Colorado. Well, the Colorado is really interesting because it's competing in a smallish uh, segment that really most of the car makers have, have abandoned. The, the Asians are still in there, which is basically just a small entry level type of truck. And, you know, it, it's a lot of truck for the money. Um, and And the other thing is that 
the price of a full-size pickup truck has become out of reach for many people. The average price is $40,000. Here is a very capable, good-looking, uh, fuel-efficient truck that will serve most people exactly what they need. And so I think GM uh, will do pretty well with this. I, I think they have pretty much the, the area, uh, the, the segment all, you know, they, they can write their own story here, I think. Now, Toyota will come out with an updated Tacoma soon, so we'll see how that goes. But good-looking truck, drives well, and great value. Sharon? I, I find it really funny that, that it's being considered a small truck, because that thing is still really big. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you compared it to trucks 10 years ago or 15 years ago, <clears throat> it's, it's, a, it's a big truck. Um, so it might not be as big as full-size trucks out now, but it's still, it's not, certainly not pint-sized. Um, and I agree with you on the value that you get for it. It's a really nice, it's really nice. I mean, the, it's comfortable inside. Um, it's a comfortable ride. It's also really capable and, um, and it's being marketed as something that's smaller, but it's actually not. So um, I, think it's, I think it's a good value. You're right, in terms of height or length, it's a much bigger truck than you would expect it to be. But when you get in and drive, it doesn't feel as big as yeah, the bigger ones. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, what do you think? I mean, you know, the big competitor is the Tacoma. Uh, very capable truck, but, you know, it's old. Fuel economy is really not so great for its size. You would think it, you know, it's just about pretty close to the full size. Uh, the Colorado is, is terrific. I think, you know, it can tow up to 700 pounds. So that will satisfy, what, 90% of pickup drivers don't need to tow much more and then you don't have to haul around all this extra metal and you don't have to park it because these big full-size mm. trucks are a pain and i think the colorado fits in a garage i think the thing that uh, i was disappointed about was the the quality of the interior is pretty low i mean it, it feels like a cheap car in there it has the features i get it it has all the chevy stuff but just the plastics and stuff i was hoping for something a little nicer and the engines are i thought coarse i mean even the v6 was kind of rumbly and i was like this is strange. You know, there's a lot of good things about that truck. I really like it. If I was going to buy a pickup, it'd probably be that one. But these other things, I think, could have been done a little better. Yeah, no, I, I think you raised two really good points. Uh, remember, this is a truck that starts with, I think the base, 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 base is around 22000 or yeah. something like that. So you don't put in real nice materials in the, in right. the interior to keep that price down. And you're right, the engines are absolutely coarse. Yeah. Uh, I think that'll get fixed in the future, but I think that it was a cost and a timing issue. If they were to get this truck out now, they had to take something off the shelf yeah. rather than wait for the newest thing to but come But once along. you get the, you know, the four doors, the V6, four-wheel drive, suddenly you're at thirty-five grand, and you're sitting in something that feels like an $18,000 car, and you kind of go, huh, I don't know about this. And I, like I said, I'd probably buy it. I like it a lot, but that's just something I wish they had done better. Okay, last one on the list, the Lincoln MKC. Sharon, what do you think? You know, this is, I have the opposite to the Hyundai Genesis in this one. I mean, this, I'm really pleased that this got into the top three. Um, when I was, I'm, I'm new to the, to the panel this year, and I put my, I think I put a full 10 points towards that one, and I thought, oh, I'm going to get made fun of for this, but I really like the Lincoln MKC. Um, I think they've done a really nice job with the interior. I think it's, uh, it drives really nice. Um, I think it's, it's smooth, and um, for what you get for the money, I definitely think it's, it's a great value. Yeah. I agree 100%. I think Lincoln got it right. And Lincoln has been struggling for a long time to figure out what they are and how to do a nice luxury car. I love the Lincoln MKC. 
Wow, very wow. interesting. I do. <laughs> I wasn't so hot on it. Um, I love the styling. I think that, that that language works really well. And I think the, the combination of the chrome work and the paint that they use is, is pretty terrific for that thing. I think it's a fantastic car as long as you don't drive the Escape, you know, because it feels, it has a lot of that feel to it to me. It doesn't have that substantial feel of like so. the GLA or the <laughs> Audi, uh, what's it, the, uh, Q3. the Q3. Q3 and things like that. So, I mean, really good car in a lot of ways. I just don't feel like it's into that upper echelon of luxury vehicles quite yet. Yeah, I, I thought they did a pretty good job. You know, they've got that uh, continuously controlled dampers on it. Mm -hmm. To me, it doesn't ride like an Escape. And no. uh, uh, I, I think they've done a pretty good job with it as well. So, and it's I, innovative because, you know, they have the, the, the um, shifter is on the dash. You push a button. That's the one thing I always forget. Am I turning it off or shifting it into drive or park, you know? But you get used to that. Uh, yeah, I never got used to it. I don't like that push <laughs> button. And, and part of the reason is I think the buttons feel cheap. I think they should spend a little bit extra money and make those things really feel like kachunka. You're Absolutely. pushing something. I was yeah. going to say, that's probably the only thing that annoys me about the car is the push button. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think the interior is really stunning. I really think, uh, I, I just really like it, and um, I think it rides great. Now, isn't it interesting the women are the ones that like that car? Hey, wait a minute. I liked it, too. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, John. <laughs> and I completely blew it in our car discussion. We forgot to talk about the Volkswagen Golf. Larry, what do you think about the VW? Oh, my gosh. I mean, what a range of fantastic vehicles from one, right? You know, you have the regular Golf, which is, uh, it feels more expensive than it is. You have this GTI, which if I would go out and buy one if I needed a car tomorrow. I love that thing. And then you have that e-Golf, which, you know, what it delivers in terms of range and how it feels like a real car and the electric version the electric version sorry yeah so as in terms of a breath of one car that thing's impressive as hell if you ask me mm -hmm. Joanne, what do you well, think? Well, I agree. The electric, though, is not part of, uh, is not the fine among the finalists. It's the other, the STI, the GTI, and the um, and the regular one. Just, oh, just for the record. Yeah. For the record, <laughs> I'm on the organizing committee, so I know this. <laughs> but um, that said, I agree 100. percent Phenomenal car fun to drive. I took my family uh, in northern Michigan up there. We fit four suitcases in there. I was very surprised. And two buckets full of apples. It was great. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I agree. It's a lot of fun to drive. I mean, driving that car kind of reminds me back when I was a college kid and I could fit all of my apartment belongings into the back of a hatchback and just, you know, it, it just made me feel like I was a free kid again. So I really love that. Really well engineered. Too. Yeah, the adults yeah. fit in the back seat. It's sort of one yeah. of those, this is all the car you need. Right. Boom. It's no wonder they sell so well in Europe. Yeah. A couple of observations for me. I drove one earlier uh, this year and was astonished. If you take your foot off the gas, how far this thing will coast. Yeah. I mean, it'll coast forever, which helps you get better fuel economy. Yeah. Also, uh, right now, I'm driving, test driving uh, the diesel version, the TDI. I'm getting a combined 40 miles to the gallon. Oh, wow. 40 miles to the gallon with plenty of city driving in there at that mix, by the way, and gobs of power. I mean, it, it will accelerate slowly if you just barely touch the pedal. You put your foot into it a bit, though, and man, this thing's off. So it offers hybrid-like fuel economy, but with a whole lot more power than a hybrid will give you. The one complaint I've got about it is... Uh, in very low speeds, like backing up in a parking lot or your driveway or the like, the brakes are squealing. I, I hear scraping and squealing. Also, when you put it in reverse, they've hidden uh, the camera behind the logo. They got to sort of pop that open. 
And I swear to God, it sounds like a guillotine coming down. It, 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 it's a noise that they've got to address because it sounds terrible. And little things like that, uh, I'm kind of surprised because otherwise the car is very refined. Uh, I but think just the, imagine if the, the, the Hyundai, the Genesis, had that level of interior detail of the Golfs in the Genesis, right? I mean, you, you don't necessarily think they're on the same level price-wise, but you sort of get more of a, like a high-quality luxury feel in that VW, right, which says a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think what they, they're continually able to do that in a car that, what is it, 20-ish, or give yeah, or take? Yeah, 20s, right. Which is really, that's impressive to yeah. me. Okay, time to put you all on the spot, and we need kind of quick answers. Joanne, I'm going to start with you. Car of the year. What do you think it's going to be? Mustang, Golf, or Genesis? What I think it's going to be is the Golf. Okay. Larry? Same. Two Golfs. Um, Yeah, I'd say the Golf as well. Really? Yeah. Okay, I'll be a contrarian. I'm going to pick the Mustang. Now let's go the other way around. Truck of the year. Sharon? Uh, what do I want it to be, or which, what will it be? Uh, you, you choose. Uh, well, I think it's going to be the F-150, um, but I, I think I want it to be the Lincoln. Yeah, it yeah. sounds like it from yeah. your earlier comments. I right? think it's going to be the Colorado. You know, it's, it's the first kind of like all-new truck in a segment that's kind of been forgotten. So, Joanne? What if F-150 and Colorado voters tie, cross what? each other out, and the MKC sails through? It's a sleeper. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of with you guys. I think it's going to be the sleeper. That's my prediction. Mm. I think MKC is going to be the truck of the year. I'm guessing. I don't know if it will be. I'm going with the Ford Mustang, too, so it might be a Ford sweep. Mm. They'd love to see that happen, but we'll see what does happen. Wasn't a Chevy sweep last year? Uh, That's exactly right. And the uh, Silverado. Silverado. So you, you never know which way the jury's going to go. I think that's half the fun is arguing about what the best vehicle out there is. And, of course, it's the collective wisdom of the jury that, that uh, really chooses the winner, which I think is a great way to do it because there's so many different viewpoints. Anyway, we've got to wrap it up. I want to thank you all. Joanne Muller from Forbes. Uh, Larry Webster, Road and Track. Sharon Carty from Autoblog. Thank you all for coming on Autoline this week. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jen. I want to thank all of you for having tuned in.